we can access any of that at any time. We already know who we are. And that's the whole point is that sometimes these are things that help us along the way, but they are, they're just supposed to be training wheels. And then you stand and walk in your truth. And we stop with the external anything. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. All right, I've got some good news and some bad news for you. The bad news is you've probably been wasting your money on enzymes or not eating enzymes at all, and that you've probably been manipulated by the supplement industry since about the 1980s that eating more protein is going to help you gain more muscle. Here's the deal. Just because you eat more protein doesn't mean you're going to absorb that protein and build more muscle. Furthermore, even if you don't think you care about building muscle, if you happen to care about burning fat, well, you need to burn muscle to do that. Here's how it works. Let's just say you eat an eight ounce chicken breast. That's about 40 grams of protein. Just because you ate that 40 grams of protein, however, doesn't mean you're going to absorb all 40 grams. The problem there is that without the proper enzymes, most of it ends up in your toilet bowl. Your small intestine can only absorb protein that's been broken down into smaller building blocks. They're called amino acids. So you can eat protein all day long. I don't care if it's 30 grams or 300 grams. Without enzymes, it will not build muscle and as a result, not burn fat. And most enzymes on the market are a ripoff because it's really expensive and labor intensive to produce them properly. So the one that I trust and use myself on a daily basis is called Masszymes by Bioptimizers. It's a full spectrum enzyme formula with five different kinds of protease. In fact, more protease than any other on the market. If you want to watch them in action, you can see this really crazy video where these masszymes dissolve a raw steak before your very eyes. You can find that video at masszymes.com slash loop. It's just how it sounds. M-A-S-S-Z-Y-M-E-S, masszymes.com slash Luke. And if you happen to order some of the enzymes, you've got a full year money-back guarantee, which is the gold standard in the industry. So what you want to do is go to masszymes.com slash Luke and make sure to enter the coupon code LUKE10 to receive 10% off your order. That's masszymes.com slash Luke. I'm going to tell you a little story here. My grandmother was named May and she lived to be 99 years old. And I remember all through my childhood, teens and 20s, she used to always bug me about my sleep. Like, you got to get more sleep. You got to get more sleep. And of course, I didn't listen because I was a little punk. And what does a 99-year-old know anyway, right? Well, it turns out she was right. And over the past few years, as I've been creeping up on my current age of 50, I've really noticed how my life suffers if my sleep quality is not up to par. So these days I firmly believe in getting a good night's sleep. And it's not only at this age. I mean, I'm sure I needed quality sleep back then. I was just too hyped up on adrenaline and God knows what else to pay attention to that hard-earned lesson. So what I've found to help with sleep now is a product called Dream. It's made by our sponsors at Sovereignty.co. It's an incredible product made with therapeutic doses of clinically studied traditional Ayurvedic and Chinese herbs. It's also got a broad spectrum extract from hemp grown in California. It's fortified with CBN and a custom sleep terpene formula. 
And more importantly, it's independently lab tested for purity. So you don't have to worry about any of the funk like heavy metals and excipients and fillers and those products that I always try to avoid when it comes to taking any supplements or let alone running supplement ads on my show. So if you want to check out Dream, uh, it is the ultimate nighttime rest and relaxation formula. I'm about to take some right now, as a matter of fact, as soon as I finish recording this plug. This works so well, in fact, that these guys tested hundreds of people with aura rings and found that 76% of the people tested had improved sleep in some capacity while using this product. So not only am I saying it's legit, 76% of those people also agree. Here's how you get it. Go to Sovereignty.co. That's spelled S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y. Sovereignty.co. And during this 2020 holiday season, they're going to give you a 20% discount. That's what's up. Use the code LOOP20. And for right now, save 20% at Sovereignty.co. You just dropped into episode 323 of the Lifestylist Podcast. Shamanjelic Healing and Breathwork Awakening with Anahata Ananda. Say all of that three times fast. This is the last episode of 2020. What a year it was, my friends. Uh, if this year was disheartening, confusing, discouraging, or just crazy making for you, I highly recommend you listen to this conversation. I think it's a great way to round out what has been uh, such a strange experience for many of us here on the earth plane. This episode was recorded right here in sunny Sedona, Arizona, as my fiance Allison and I traveled the country looking for our next home. While we were here, we met so many fascinating people, not the least of which being our guest, Anahata Ananda, and so many other great new friends. While we were here, we've met so many fascinating and brilliant people, not the least of which being today's guest, Anahata Ananda. It's been a real treat to get to drop in here in Sedona, one of my favorite prior places to visit, and really spend an extended period of time and get to know some wonderful folks here. And Alice and I were also fortunate enough to experience a very powerful breathwork session with Anahata after we had recorded this episode. So I highly recommend if you ever have the opportunity to find yourself in the presence of Anahata, be it in Sedona or elsewhere, man, you got to get in and do a session with her. And she not only offers breath work, but all kinds of other things that we're going to discuss. She blends the compassion and tenderness of an angel and the wisdom and strength of a shaman to guide profound journeys of core healing and spiritual awakening. She's also a certified high-performance coach, shamanic healer, and soul guide. Anahata has guided thousands of individuals through core life shifts, helping them turn their lives around and manifest the life of their dreams. She's also the host of the internationally acclaimed Shamanjelic Healing Podcast, on which yours truly was a recent guest. I don't know if it's published yet, but we recorded it. And if all goes well, it'll come out, right? You, one can hope. Uh, she's also the founder of Shamanjelic Healing, based here in Sedona where she offers high-performance coaching, inspirational workshops, group retreats, private healing sessions, and online courses. If you want to find out more about Anahata's services, here's what you do. Go to shamangelichealing.com or just connect with her on Instagram at Anahata Ananda. And you'll probably see some photos of us together on my Instagram as well. Might as well follow both of us. I'm at Luke Story. Don't forget the EY. Here's what we talk about in this fascinating and inspiring conversation. The origins of her spiritual name and the risks of forming a spiritual ego identity. 
the shamangelic healing path she created, the lure of spiritual people like myself and Anahata, the fact and fiction of the many vortices here and the scientific validity of such locations, the many life initiations that led to Anahata's becoming a spiritual teacher and healer, how she's spent the past 20 years refining her shamangelic breathwork practice and the many transformations she's witnessed as a result. And finally, the role plant medicines played in her journey and how she became a voice of caution and discernment around such medicines and psychedelics. So if you're someone who's heard me talk about the plant medicines and such on the show and thought, I'm going to do that, that sounds awesome without really giving it some careful consideration, I would love for you to hear her take on this. It turns out, uh, well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but one of the medicines actually told her that part of her role here is to warn people about uh, the potential risks of taking said medicine. So very interesting perspective there, very sobering, no pun intended. Uh, But it was really great for me to have that conversation with her and just go like, hmm, okay, yeah, word to the wise. She's seen people have some pretty scary stuff happen uh, in their collective and individual psyches as a result of um, not exercising prudence when it comes to entering into ceremony, etc. So we talk about all of that and so very, very much more. And before we jump into this deeply heartfelt chat, I want to thank you so much for listening. Man, what a gift this year has been, as bizarre as it has been in so many ways. Uh, It's also just been so fulfilling to be able to continue to do my work and expand into different projects and all of the wonderful relationships I've formed as a result of having this platform. And literally none of that would be possible if it weren't for you, the listener. You know what I mean? Seriously, if no one listened to the podcast, like what ground would I have to stand on? What would I do? You know, I'd have an MP3 at the end of a conversation and I, I guess I would just let it live somewhere in a hard drive, you know, without your ears and um, not only your ears, but your willingness and enthusiasm about sharing these conversations with your friends and loved ones, uh, the show could not go on. So I want to thank you so much for an incredible year here on the show. So many of my dreams and goals have been realized as a result of your support. And I get to continue to learn, expand, and grow uh, through the conversations I'm able to have and share with you. So God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me on yet another episode of the show. And this brings the year 2020 to a close, folks. I'd invite you now to take a moment to relax and get cozy as we explore all things shamanjelic with Anahata Ananda. All right, here we are. We're in Sedona. We're doing the damn thing. Anahata. <laughs> so grateful. It's been so awesome having you here in Sedona, just going on land journeys and connecting with Soul Tribe and just dropping in. And it's like, it's just a remembering here with your soul. And I'm so grateful to connect. Likewise. Yeah, it's yeah. been, you know, such a different experience this time because in the past, when I've come out to Sedona, it's two, three, four, maybe five days. I used to come see David Hawkins speak here. Yeah, a long time ago. I'd come for like three days, you know, just drive out from LA, do the thing, drive right back. This is the first time I've ever been able to really drop in. And even though it will have been like a month and a half, I think by the time we leave here, every day I'm like, ah, I still haven't done anything. <laughs> there's like, <laughs> there's, there's so, so much, much. There's so much land to explore here. I think that's what I, I missed visiting here. I didn't realize we're in this 
epicenter of national parks. It's just like you're in the center of a park and every direction you go, there's just beauty and majesty. And it's just so special to be here. I've been living here for 11 years and um, coming here for 19. And there's so many, there's still treasures and trails and little secret hideouts and ancient cliff dwellings from the natives. And like, there's certain different times of the year where you want to do this hike and another time of year you want to do that one with a different view. So um, when you move here, wink, wink, um, we'll just, <laughs> we'll just uh, put a different destination every week on the agenda and just go exploring because there's so many treasures and it's really just being present with the inner exploration. I mean, the internal terrain. When you come to Sedona, it's really about navigating your internal terrain. Yeah, that's what I hear. You know, it's been funny. I guess we'll just start off doing a um, a summary about the Sedona experience. But I've never felt any different coming here than going anywhere beautiful where there's nature. I mean, I always feel... Uh, I would say more expansive mm. and grounded when I'm closer to the earth uh, versus being in a city. Yeah. But I don't feel different coming here than I would going to Hawaii or Wyoming or Colorado or anywhere where there's some space, you know. But coming here with uh, my lovely Allison, she's had a different experience. You know, the energies here have been really strong for her and she's struggled at times to kind of feel like herself and you know we've been together for coming up on a year now i've known her for a few years and uh, i know her to just be super chipper positive happy easy going just living her best life like in flow most of the time and um and she's had a different experience here and so have you noticed or maybe in your own subjective experience when you finally moved here or you know just watching droves i'm sure of mm -hmm spiritually minded people move here. Have you noticed a different experience between males and females hanging out in Sedona or moving here in terms of how the energetics affect them? It's not necessarily male or female. Um, I just think Sedona, she, I'll say she, the shamaness that is Sedona, just brings things up different, differently for people at different times. If you were to come six months ago or six months from now, you may have a very different experience because... She just kind of amplifies whatever's going on. If things are pretty aligned and pretty good, then she's just going to amplify that feeling of good feeling. If there's something that's needing to shift for a part of your, you know, for a part of your core healing or to prepare you for what is ahead in your soul's mission, then it might be a bumpy ride if you are, if there's a crack in the foundation or if you're on your personal development journey and something needs to shift in order to align with who you're becoming. So. Sedona has this crafty way of finding the spot that needs attention or amplification. So sometimes people come here and they feel tired because what they really need is rest. Some people come here and feel peaceful because their life is chaotic. Some people feel very spiritually connected because they're disconnected other places. Um, some people can't sleep because they're just uh, like inspired and they want to write poetry or songs. And um, it's different for everybody and it's different at different times. Every time... I would come here uh, to Sedona. Um, I would get different experiences because I kept going through different experiences. So that changes just like so, just like the seasons change. So that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm thinking about you know what's been different for me here, and one thing I've noticed is that I have a lot of energy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I, I don't get tired. You know, I mean, I do all. You know, I inject NAD in my belly every morning. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm nuts in LA. 
uh, I have to do so much stuff to have the vitality mm-hmm. and energy to meet the demands of being in that energy field and producing as much as I do in life, which is, I always feel like I'm not producing enough from the outside. People say, wow, you really do a lot. Uh, and I guess I do um, in terms of work and content and things like that. But out here, it's funny, I was thinking about it yesterday and I thought, this is so weird. I never feel like taking a nap in the afternoon here. And it's, it's actually hard for me to stop and meditate in the afternoon here, which is in most other places pretty easy because I feel this lull in my energy and I take that as a cue to kind of go inward and regenerate for a bit and then start kind of the second half of the day into the evening. And I'm just like on go time here. Yeah. Well, what, crazy. what is different about our energetic system is that there's, because we're not in a city, we're not having to be on a freeway to get to a thing, which is creating agitation. There isn't so much frenetic energy that happens when there's a large population and lots of electronics all moving in the same space. And we're in, we can hear everything here. You just hear nature, you know, um, And so I think that there is something when you are in the quietude of a place like Sedona um, where the nervous system can settle a bit. And that's what has been really deep medicine for me when I moved out of Southern California because I was a a California girl, you know, and I I moved here because I just really enjoyed the stillness and the quiet. My nervous system was ready for that. And I wanted clean water and and. I wanted nature right in my backyard where I didn't have to drive to get it yeah. because it's, it's part of what nourishes my soul. It's part of my food groups is nature. Like that's my church. And so I really felt called to, to move here just to be in it all the time. And Sedona brings up things for me too, you know, of course, um, it, you know, the locals, those of us that, 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 you know, live and work here find that, okay, we're, we're on the journey. It's definitely accelerated. We can't not be in the personal development journey here. <laughs> I've always wondered if there is any scientific merit or for lack of a better term, evidence or proof of the different energetics here. You know, you have these vortices and I heard you say earlier today, it's, it's not just the ones that are kind of on the tourist map. They're just everywhere here because of the rock formations and just the um, geological makeup of this particular piece of land uh, that definitely feels sacred, but as woo-woo and etheric as I am often, I also still have that linear male brain that's like, I want to see the proof. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like I could hire some hippie to take me out on a, on a vortex tour, but has anyone measured it or, you know, or tested the, the magnetic field in a different place? Do you know of any? Yes. There's, kind of there's, there's all kinds of different meters. There's all kinds of different, there's kind of, there's dowsing rods, but there's also that actually get pulled towards magnetic energy, but there's also different meters that will measure the calibration of the electrical current. So for those scientific, you know, that is like, is this just, you know, unicorn dust (laughs) (laughs) Um, and crystal balls? And yes, we have all of that and and, uh, here as well. But um, it's it's a scientific uh, anomaly, Sedona, is that we have these vortex currents that are measurable that are coming out of the earth's crust all over the place here. And they're amplified by the high concentrations of minerals as well as crystals in the soil. So because we haven't built over top of it, 
and the mineral-rich amplifications, it takes the normal current of a vortex and amplifies it. So people ask all the time, well, well where, when am I in the vortex? You're in it. It's coming out all over the place. And I love to just, at different times of the year, just walk barefoot on the land. This is a wonderful place for earthing wonderful place for earthing, you know, um, just to drop in and lay flat on mother earth is just, it's so delicious here. And you can just slow down and just be held by mother earth. Yeah. And, we and we went the it. other day on that, uh, hike up to the stupa and, um, you know, underneath the foot of uh, thunder mountain there. Is He's that right, it, there. right there? He's oh, right that's there. Cool. there. There he is. Hey, grandpa. <laughs> uh, when we were up there and we, stop to just give some reverence to the land and, and have a, a bit of a prayer and, uh, you know, do our thing. It was the first time I think I've really slowed down out in nature here because there's so much to see. I'm always kind of expressing my energies and my awareness outward because there's just so much beauty. Yeah. It's easy to get um, sort of hypnotized by all of the rock formations and, and the fact that it's the desert, yet there's still water and greenery. It's just such a unique climate here. But when we dropped in, it was like, oh man, I need to just come out here by myself and just sit for a few hours. So I'm yeah, there's being looking in forward nature. to doing that. Yeah. There's being in nature and then there's being with nature. Yeah. And being in it. Yeah. You can be in it. You can be hiking. You can be running and hiking and, you know, riding a mountain bike and you're not with nature. Just passing by the trees is... Is, is being in nature, being with it is what we were doing with the mountain where we're connecting, not with just how pretty and beautiful it is, but the essence that there's, there's, a, there's a grandfather that's hundreds of millions of years old inside with medicine, wisdom and blessings and courage and strength and all of those divine masculine qualities ready to bestow upon the one that is with him, not just being around the mountain, but being with him in reverence and asking. And that's, I think, a, a little bit different about what we were doing is by, and I, and I usually always go out on the land with, with a mesa, with offerings, because I want to, I choose to be with nature and make an offering and pause and listen and ask and be still. Sometimes it's just, help calm my nervous system, help calm my anxiety. Sometimes it's I'm struggling with a choice or I'm struggling with a challenge. Give me strength, give me courage, give me insight. Sometimes it is just softening my heart or, or helping me to heal in a certain way. And I can't do that if I don't slow down enough to actually be with nature, held by nature, inspired and guided by its wisdom. Hell yeah. It's funny. Um, Alice and I went out for a hike and went to a, a sacred spot here <laughs> because I don't even want to say the name of it because it'll make it worse. Don't. But we went to it. <laughs> we went don't. to it. We went to a really sacred spot right. that um, I know the one you're talking about. This woman, Alice, you know, kind of emailed us directions to, uh, she does give a shout out to Alice. She does something called alpha biotics, which is an amazing modality that I do a lot at home this cat named Terry. I cannot remember either of their last names, but I'll find it for the show notes. Uh, we went over and did a session with her. She's like, oh, you guys have to go to this one spot. And so we hiked up there. And right now we're in the, for those listening, we're in the Thanksgiving kind of week. So there's a lot of tours here. And uh, we didn't know that. We went up to the spot and there was like two other people that were very quiet. And we walked into this big, massive kind of cave. 
And it was just breathtaking. Then we turned around, the view was just amazing. And Alice and I both dropped in to really connect with that spot because it was just palpable, the, the power there. And then I swear to God, it must have been like, I want to exaggerate, but I was going to say 15. It was probably 10 people, but this is a small space. All these tourists, you know, from all over the world with mm, all sorts of different customs in terms of how they interact in an environment like that. And there's, you know, little Asian kids playing video games and people not like with their selfie sticks and just, you know, people are doing things in a different way. And so it was, a, it was an amazing opportunity actually to surrender into that moment. And the teaching was to, for me at least, kind of roll with the punches. And right. in that moment, I wanted it to be Allison and myself having a reverent moment of really connecting to that space. And uh, that's not what reality was presenting. So it was a great teaching. And how can I be in here just celebrate all these kids going wild and people stepping over stuff and, <laughs> you know, kind of cock blocking my plan. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come on, like, I'm trying to be spiritual here. Yeah, Shut up. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I see the judgments coming up. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, like, really? You're going to come in a space like this and act like that? And yeah. all of a sudden I'm, you know, right? the, poli- Other than sacred. <laughs> the policeman of this space and, you know, dictating how people should act or not act. Um, but I am going to go back there on a day that's not so touristy perhaps. And uh, it was just amazing. But, uh, yeah, there really is so much teaching in this area to to behold. You know? That's an example of where we can be in nature and we're not with it. Where we're just, am I getting the selfie right? And not being present with the magic and the medicine that is available. And we've all done this, gone to beautiful places and not really felt the, the power, whether it's the ocean, whether it's a river, whether it's a mountain and just gotten the picture or, you know, or, or just had the experience, whether we're water skiing or whatever it is and haven't really paused to acknowledge, wow, what else is going on here? What's underneath? What, what, uh, what is the energy underneath this? Whether, what, you know, the first time I went to the, the Redwoods in uh, the Sequoia National Forest. And that was the first time without anybody's guidance, I was really deeply with nature where I woke up for the first time and saw these huge Redwood trees and I got transported into a whole nother space and I fell in love with nature in a whole different way because I was present with it. I felt its energy. I wasn't so distracted in my own head or in a video game somewhere else or in my phone somewhere else. And I'm still guilty of this today. That's, I feel like that's where the medicine is, wherever we are, because we can be, we can be in our neighborhood and be present with an old oak tree. That's just, you know, in a neighborhood, it doesn't need to be in a national forest like this because it's a state of being, presence is a state of being. And the sacred space is what we carry with us all the time. We can assign that location with sacredness or we bring our awareness to be sacred in that place. And that's really like, oh, how can I be that space? When I get up and leave, how can I be the sacred space that when people visit, they feel held and more whole instead of, you know, and I have been that person where I'm like, oh, you left trash here and like, don't do that. And, and, and um, like witnessing my own judgments and realizing, wow, I just shifted out of sacred space. Now the vortex energy that I'm transmitting is judgment. 
it's separation consciousness in the moment that I go into, you shouldn't be doing that. Now, the power that I could be a sacred space, I just blocked. And what I'm transmitting, the vortex that I'm transmitting, instead of my most powerful vortex energy, love, compassion, light, and truth, I just closed it off. You know, I just put walls over my heart and now I'm transmitting a different energy. And I find the, 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 the humor in that, the irony of that, that here I'm going to the sacred space and then I turn into like a bitch (laughs) (laughs) trying to protect the sacred space. And in doing so, I just polluted the whole sacred space with my judgment. You you become the sacred Karen. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. All hail to Karen. (laughs) Um, uh, What's the basis of your name? Anahata Ananda is uh, was given to be my by some of my spiritual teachers, and um, it, Anahata is the Sanskrit term for the heart chakra, and so Ah uh, opens the doorway to the heart. So Anahata four times opens the fourth chakra, which is the heart, and um, and then they added also Ananda at the end, which means bliss or blissful. So it's blissful heart. And, uh, you know, when they first gate, you know, when they first, I knew I was going to here to be studying the heart. Like I knew that. And, um, uh, but blissful heart, that's a pretty, you know, tall order. And any medicine name or spiritual name is not to be something that you are embodying now. It's something for you to grow into. It's something for you to aspire to. And so Anahata Ananda reminds me to ask, ask, am I in that space of being a blissful heart in this moment? And sometimes I get a yes. (laughs) And sometimes it's like, uh, refine, rework, refilter and try again. Have you ever had a phase in your development where you've become aware that uh, the ego has (laughs) co-opted a spiritual identity or personality? You know, some people will take on a spiritual name or wear certain robes and beads and kind of play this role, uh, you know, with, with the best of intentions, Mm. but be sort of hijacked by the ego now just choosing a different personality by which to become special and get attention and all of that. Is that something that you've ever come across in your journey or had to, to deal with or become aware of? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in different places in, in, and it shows up in different ways. So every time it shows up, I get to look at it and see it and say, huh, is, is there in any way I'm doing that? Why is this showing up for me? Um, and is, is that just reminding me not to do that? And uh, we get to see that, you know, I did a podcast uh, a while ago um, and we're talking about the shadow side of, of kind of like we can put people on a pedestal <laughs> like a guru or a rock star or a politician or, you know, a congressman, whatever. Um, you know, we can, you know, we can put people on a pedestal and then when their shadow comes out and here comes like some sexual manipulation or some power play, oh, but I don't want they're so-and-so and they're a guru or they're so-and-so and they're a, sp- a spiritual teacher or they're a congressman or they're a clergyman. So I'm not going to say anything about it. And in doing so, we keep those shadow aspects intact by not saying, hey, it isn't okay to act this way, whether you're a spiritual teacher, whether you're a politician, whether you are uh, a rock star or or 
you know, an actor that doesn't give you license, uh, but a lot of the, you know, to, to act in that way. But what happens is that, that people don't want to be the whistleblower. People don't want to, um, you know, turn the, the judgment onto them for how could you do that to them? How could you say that about the minister? How could you say that about that guru? And so it's, it's socially shamed to call that out. And so then that shadow aspect that is hiding behind spirituality or hiding behind leadership and power stays intact. And so this is where the whole Me Too movement and other movements that are coming forward saying, hey, you know what? There's some shadow aspects happening here in Hollywood or in politics or um, <laughs> in this industry or in this, you know, in the, in the music industry. And those people that we thought were all awake and all spiritual are actually doing this kind of shadow thing in the behind the scenes. And, and right now, as you know, like, the shadow is coming out of the darkness and it's, we're seeing it right in our faces in ways in which we have not, <laughs> you know, had to look at. Yeah. We kind of known, but every, you know, nobody really wants to talk about it, face it or deal with it or acknowledge it. Or it's and, a conspiracy theory that this level of evil and deception exists in our world. Because the exactly. cognitive dissonance of going, that, can, that couldn't be. But I've created this worldview that's this, and you're telling me this coexists with mine? You yeah, know, mind blown. Enter a mind blown emoji. Right? Well, and that's why, like, let's just say, like, let's just say, like, in a church environment, if we have, if we have that, uh, you know, pastor on the path of being the one who we've given our power to guide us spiritually, it can't possibly be that he is in a shadow space sexually with any of the congregation or any, any like it, it can't exist because the power has been given to be the spiritual teacher. And then he has, he's always right. And so this is, this is inviting us to be in our truth and also see the truth, even how ugly it is within ourselves as well, because there's always things in our shadow always things in our blind spot. And it's not just everybody else's blind spot. So all of this, you know, racial hatred, all of this sexual distortion, that is not just outside of us, it's in us too. And so this is the opportunity to look at where have I participated in that um, by being a perpetrator in any way, in any little form, um, or where have I participated in keeping the status quo by not saying anything or by hiding my experience and not, not coming out with it or not saying no um, or, or speaking out about it. So that enables it. It actually says it's okay. Unless we say something, then nothing will change. I like your contextualization of shadow as being more of a Jungian viewpoint that it's just those areas in our psyche or personality that are unseen at the moment, right? I think a lot of people um, in a lot of teachings tend to vilify the ego and the, the underlying more base nature of the human animal, right? That we, we have, and I think at some point I have to really embrace and acknowledge that we have impulses to seek revenge upon people that we perceive to have harmed us or to act out sexually in inappropriate and selfish ways on and on and on to eat and gluttony and all the set, all the deadly sins. Right. And we're, we're kind of wired to have those tendencies, but at the same time, we have a prefrontal cortex. We have self-awareness. If we're spiritually oriented, 
then we begin to grow and become aware of those. And I think there's a real danger in vilifying aspects of ourself that are God-given, that are part of our makeup and sort of part of the karmic inheritance that we take on as we become embodied or incarnated. Those are the challenges and also gifts that we get to overcome. And I think that, right, there's so much risk in self-shaming and thinking, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I just said that. That's shadow self as in like, I'm wrong, bad, evil, shameful, flawed. When shadow is just really a part that needs to be brought into the light and and then transmuted or disappeared or or modulated in a way that we can actually use it for good or discard it if it's not useful at all. We We can't transmute it if we can't see it, if we can't name it, if we can't face it. And if we can't feel the truth of the wounds and how harmful it is and how hurtful it is with, with compassion, you know, because I can't really forgive um, a, villain, a sexual predator if I don't acknowledge the part of me that has used another person for sexual attention before. Absolutely. Like I, 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 get, I can't blame somebody else for being violent and, and be, be hypercritical about their violence without looking at, oh yeah, I've wanted to harm people before. I have harmed people before. I've done it in my mind too. And I've, I've, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've absolutely wished people dead. You bet. Like when I'm really honest with my humanity, um, that's the only place that I can find compassion for the rest of humanity. When I look at my humanness, when I'm really honest, now I might not have done that to that extreme or in that way that somebody else has, but I can relate to it. And that relatability is what I feel opens the doorways of compassion that says, you know what? We're not all that different. Your addiction and my addiction, they're just different types of addiction. Your hate and my hate, maybe your hate is towards that culture. My hate might be towards my own body. Do you know, like hate is hate. And so when we really see that we're not all that different and the thing that we loathe the most, we also get to look at the most (laughs) and say, God, that that blank triggers me. Yeah. You know, that yeah. it's like, okay, what is it about me that I haven't healed or that I haven't looked at or that I haven't faced that is that is inviting me to to be more honest and more gentle, but also more courageous that says, you know what? I've done that. I've I've hurt another person with my words. Absolutely. I've and so when when we you know look at what we judge. And we get curious about it. When we look at what triggers us, when we look at I hate and fill in the blank, when we, when we give ourselves permission to go a little deeper there, we're going to find some treasures. I, I love that. That's a great, I, I mean, a great rabbit hole to go down it, is that uh, the common trait that so many of us have of being most triggered by other people's behavior <laughs> that is our shadow right it's like it's really a great spiritual tool if you have that that degree of self-honesty right. and humility and awareness to say okay god i just i just want to punch this person in the face because they did or said xyz well what's really behind that why does that bother me so much when these transgressions of these people over here doing all these other things that are morally bankrupt doesn't bother me at all, you know? Uh, But this one thing, just God, it just really gets me. And I I find with myself, you know, if I just think about someone on social media, maybe I'm on Instagram and I come across a guy that's kind of like me, does what I does. And I, I, 
does what I do. And I just look at him and I'm like, eh, fuck, I don't like this guy. Fuck this guy. And it's like, what is that? And, and I'll look and go, oh, you know what? I'm actually envious because they appear to be more successful in this way or that way or have more followers or this or that. And then it's like, then comes the self-forgiveness of going, oh my God, I'm, I'm 50 years old. Like that's the way I think, right? <laughs> right. I'm that petty and lame. Oh my God, you know, I've been working on myself so long. But, but that's really where the growth is, is I think in getting more accurate and, and, um, and speedy in the ways in which we're able to just root those things out in, right? a, in a microsecond rather than getting stuck on it and getting kind of drawn down into those lower states and then having to dig our way out through all of this intensive inventory. And I think that's been the gift for me is just spot checking things. Like we were talking about the 12 steps yeah. on your podcast yeah. and step 10, continue to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong or in error, I would say uh, promptly admit it. Like right now when my mind says, I think this is true and I'm pissed about this. Well, is that really true? It's like the work of Byron Katie, Katie. you know? Is it true? Uh, doing the work and just having that be part of your uh, repertoire as you meander your way through life. I think that's so fascinating. But those types of triggers are hilarious when you start to see that. It's like, oh my God, this is embarrassing. They're the best. You know, <laughs> you know? I, uh, what I love to track is my emotional intensity. Is in, in, in positive and negative, in, in like all of the vibrations, the vibrations of love and, you know, the intensity of when I'm really lit up and excited about a thing, and also where I can feel the, you know, the contraction, the dissonance, where I pull back my most powerful vortex. I, when I pull it back, you get love, but because you act like that, you don't. And that's when I, when I took on my spiritual name on Hatta, I said this mantra, I choose to know my heart's fullest capacity to give and receive divine unconditional love in all situations. And I thought, oh, when I say this mantra every day for this year, I'm going to have the most amazing year ever. And what happened was all the ways in which I close my heart, all the judgments, all the conditions around my heart, the wounds, the walls, all of those things rose for me to look at because I wasn't aware of them before. And so this self the journey of self-inquiry is about that when I feel that lower vibration of you know, anger or resentment or frustration or stress or anxiety or any, any like intense triggers start coming up, that's to me like warning, warning, click, click, clue, clue. You know, there's clues here. Don't let this go down the rabbit hole. Don't ignore this. Lean into it, get curious. Um, feel it, look at it, get, get, uh, uncover what's really underneath it. Oh, I'm insecure. Oh, I'm jealous. Oh, I'm still hurt about that thing that I've not, yet forgiven. And it gives me uh, a, a place where something that was in my blind spot is now coming for the opportunity for me to look at in my crosshairs. Now I can ignore it. I can blame. I can, you know, oh, it's, it's, I can bypass. I can sedate. I can numb. I can do all these different things or I can actually move towards it. And that's, you know, the courageous move is to face it. And I think when we're when we're on our awakening journey, that becomes something we start to do more often. And sometimes we, we come across those big ones, those deep ones where five or six different things are woven together and it's just like a shit show of like all of, you know, the unresolved stuff like weaving together in a big mega bomb of truth. And it's like, okay, this one's going to take a little while to unpack. 
You when, know? It, when it comes to cultivating compassion and unconditional love for others, how does one reconcile that uh, wholesome desire with boundaries mm-hmm. and not co-signing people's bullshit? Yes, and I love behavior. your boundaries. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I might, somebody might um, be out of integrity with me and I think, oh, well, I see that. But you know what? I'm just going to love them and kind of brush it under the rug and not pay attention to it, not confront, not address, keep someone in my life in an unhealthy dynamic because I just think that, you know, in an immature perhaps way spiritually that that's the most loving thing to do when in some cases the most loving thing to do is to get in someone's face, you know, in a respectful but firm way and create a really hardcore boundary. So, so how, how do we navigate and, and balance that that unconditional love where you, you know, you have an understanding of who that person truly is inside as a, as a wholesome, mm-hmm. pure spirit, but their personality or ego is getting sloppy and messy right. and hurting you or other people or causing drama. You know, how do you stop that dynamic in a, in a way that's healthy, compassionate and loving toward both parties, yourself and them? Right. I love this question because I'm all about boundaries and, and, and integrity. So integrity sits in that third chakra. And when you said, hey, well, they're, you, you said they're not being in integrity with me. So I'll just keep them in my life. I'll just not say anything. And then who's really out of integrity? you know, by not saying anything and by keeping in your life in a way in which isn't respectful or isn't clean, isn't clear. And so the enabling of that to continue is in fact out of integrity. So anytime I look at the word integrity, I always look at where am I not being in integrity? Because when I'm attracting a conflict where I feel, where the story has been, they're disrespecting me, they're not being in integrity with me. No, they're not being in integrity. Okay, well, where am I not being in integrity, which is honest about the truth of that? If they're cheating, if they're lying, if they're stealing out of the cash register, if, if they're sleeping around and they're like, you know, it's not an aligned relationship for me, then what am I doing in it? I'm the one out of integrity. And so this is integrity is going to, and boundaries are going to come back to self-love and self-respect because it's not about whether or not somebody else is respecting us. It's about respecting ourselves and then making the decisions in our life to have the people and clear communication about the dynamics that are in alignment with self and self-respect and integrity. And if someone is not able which is often, the, you know, some, sometimes the case is I'm not being honest and integrity about the fact that this person is, it is beyond their capacity to be honest and integrity with me. And could I just be honest about that? Yeah, totally. Could I just That's stop great. bullshitting me and That's them? And, yeah. and like, I find that I'm the one out of integrity by not being honest with the fact that I'm in business with somebody that I don't respect or I'm in a relationship with somebody that I don't actually, that we're not on the same page, but I'm so lonely or I'm so, I, I want to keep the relationship. Well, who's the one out of integrity? So I find with clear boundaries, it ends up being on my side of the fence because I need to honor this space. Whether they honor it or not isn't my business. This is my responsibility to honor it. And if it is beyond their capacity, all the more reason for me to say then, this isn't the best business relationship or it's 
you know, it's time for us to evolve this romantic relationship. It's for me to respect me. So when I hear that they're not being in integrity with me, that means I'm not being in integrity with this, the reality that this relationship isn't in alignment in some way. And yes, sometimes we need to have that conversation that says, hey, bro, this doesn't feel right. Or sweetheart, this, uh, you know, I'm experiencing this and there's the invitation to be in integrity. If they're not capable of honoring that, that doesn't mean we stay in the relationship. You know, we adjust it in a way in which is in integrity and respectful. So all of those accommodators out there, which I'm a recovering accommodator. So yeah, same here, same here. <laughs> Not that anyone knows anything about that. I want to accommodate yeah. everybody else's needs at the expense of self. My, uh, my you know, friend and, and couple time guest, Neil Strauss, an author, he, he calls that, I don't know, he coined this, but I, I learned it from him, pathological accommodation, right? Is when you like the extreme of people pleasing. Absolutely. When you're actually allowing a dynamic in a relationship to erode your quality of life and sanity just to avoid that conflict, losing, or, conflict or losing judgment. their approval and, and all of that stuff. It, it really is that, that this is something I've really had to work on myself after overcoming so many other addictions is that the codependency piece and, and learning how to have healthy dynamics in relationships and have boundaries for myself and other people. It's if you grow up in a dysfunctional environment and family with alcoholism and abuse and these kind of things, where are you going to learn that? Like, that's just not... Right. There is no boundaries. Most of yeah. us were raised with no boundaries at all totally. around our body, around our emotions, you know, and other people telling us how to dress, how to be, what's okay. And so part of adulting, Luke, is is this journey of like creating our own space and honoring our own opinions and then being discerning, which is also one of these... Um, solar plexus uh, chakra uh, constructs is and qualities of being discerning about, well, what is in alignment with me? What is true for me? And that my voice matters. This is my truth. And this is where I get my power. And if I give it away to people that don't respect me, um, that is in fact out of integrity. And so I'm going to get back some reflection of that I'm not honoring myself. And so when I hear, oh, well, my boss treats me like this and it doesn't, you know, like, well, what about you said yes to that job? Or when, the, when that began, what about you stayed? What, what about you stayed that? And so the, 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 the deeper question that I like to look at is, how am I feeling about myself that I'm allowing this behavior to continue? And it's not about changing the other person. It's not about, well, they need to respect me. It's like, no, they don't ever have to respect you. That's your job. That's your responsibility. Whether they respect you or not is the clues and the information that you get to be able to navigate your proximity to that person or your nature of your relationship with that person. And if it is somebody that we're in um, a romantic relationship and and there's something not in alignment, well, then we communicate that. And not everybody can hear that. And some people are in abusive relationships and some people are in like controlling relationships and the other person's not ever going to be able to hear that. And when I'm honest with that, it's not about me trying to wake them up. It's about me waking up and changing my proximity to that person. Yeah, and that's that's powerful stuff, man. Wow. I'm all about the empowerment can you, can you, piece. Can you imagine if... And and we'll get into parenting. I know you have two kids and that's something I want to talk to I you about. I think there's two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know the feeling. Um, 
we'll get into that. But uh, this is just golden stuff. And I'm thinking, man, as, as you're talking, I go, this is what you need to teach kids. Everybody. You know, this is like, fuck kindergarten. I mean, obviously age appropriate. And, you know, when someone's able to hold these concepts in mind, but it's just, I think these are the things that really set someone up for success in life, right? Is understanding human dynamics and psychology and what makes us tick and where we come from and where we want to go and how our decisions and especially our relations with others um, just have such a profound impact on how we feel and where we end up in the trajectory of our lives. I, I, this is, just so this is a core part of the work that I do with people. And, uh, you know, I have a clear boundaries course. We'll, we'll give a discount to people listening because I wish everybody to have just the basics, the fundamentals. And yes, at five, this is your body. These are your emotions. This is your, these are your feelings. A lot of times in, in the, in with the way we were raised, your body wasn't yours, you know, it was invaded by a big brother or a sister, you know, punching or, you know, being physical or a family member being physical, your physical space, your, your body, your emotions, your truth, your feelings were inconvenient, inappropriate, oppressed, judged, made fun of. And so we were actually taught the opposite of listening to your own. This is why so many of us have accommodator issues and self-confidence issues is because we have uh, that truth has been eroded since a very young young child. So I love unpacking for my clients in workshops and sessions like where to re, you know rebuild that sense of self that your feelings matter, your body is your own and your emotions are are intelligent and sacred. And your truth is yours for a reason. It doesn't matter if your parents or your bigger brother make, make, make fun of it. It's your truth. Or if a boss belittles you, that doesn't mean it's true. That's about their truth. And so having clear boundaries is also allowing somebody, you were asking earlier about clear boundaries and it's their opinion is their opinion. When I don't have a clear boundary, I give it greater weight than my own. So, hey, you're being an idiot. You're never going to amount to anything. Okay, well, if I believe that, then that I just, I didn't have a clear boundary. And as kids, we don't have those clear boundaries. You know, we don't, we're so hyper permeable that we take ah, everything so on as true. So yeah. this is, you know, in the, in the healing journey, in the reparenting journey, we're going to be looking at reclaiming that and recognizing that just because somebody else doesn't like our, our, emotions or our truth um, doesn't mean it's, it invalidates it. So we actually learn how to validate and honor ourselves and let other people's opinions be theirs so that they have less weight. And that way, when somebody says, you know, like a hater says something personal, it's more about them than it is about you. And when you're really reclaiming that and you're not really in that space of your solar plexus needing to source someone else for its identity, value, and worth or outside of you, then when somebody else's opinion or somebody else's, oh, that's ridiculous or that's stupid or you shouldn't do that, it just doesn't carry the weight. Someone in the stands, way up in the stands in the peanut gallery when I'm in the arena of my life doesn't have the weight <laughs> of when I'm when like, I know who I am and I'm, I'm facing that and reclaiming that and remembering it and refining it every day. I don't give weight to somebody up in the peanut gallery in the stands that, that doesn't know me or doesn't see me. And, and uh, that's so liberating. 
Yeah, the work around boundaries is is really important. And uh, you're so right about kids being so impressionable. You know, I think back to the first, you know, 10 years or so of my life and messages that I got from adults around uh, really had an imprint on my personality, you know, and in my 30s and 40s and, you know, now uh, just turned 50, it's like I look back and think, wow, just, you know, a sentence that's said by a caregiver or someone influential who, you know, when you're a kid, you take the adults to be sort of godlike figures and what they say is the truth. And you take that on, especially when you're in that impressionable, malleable theta state where you're taking in information from your environment and forming your worldview and personality, you know? What and was I think one of that's, those that stuck for you? Uh, I think for me... Um, just uh, you are a fucking idiot and a pussy and a piece of shit. <laughs> those are like <laughs> those are pretty good. That's a good start, you know. Um, just yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. And so going out into the world, there, you know, you see uh, overcompensating and trying to prove yourself and wanting to be liked and wanting to be accepted in those things because there was no opportunity to really form that in in oneself, you know. I think everyone just, can relate in some way of yeah. not feeling good enough as a kid in someone's eyes, whether their parents really wanted them to excel. And instead of saying they were, you were a piece of shit, they said you could have done better over and over and over again. And you always, then here comes the perfectionist, you know, that, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, totally. an A plus isn't enough. It right, has to be right. an A plus plus. Yeah. And then, you know, so we, I think that there were all kind of unraveling different different ways in which somebody that we, we respected or admired said something about us that we took on as true. You're not blank enough or you should be more this or that when you're being you, that it was shamed. I remember, um, you know, just as a kid, I was just like energized and happy and joyful. And uh, some would call that hyper. <laughs> I was just like on fire. Like I, I loved life. I was happy and, and energized. And I remember one of my relatives was just like, can you please turn it down? And just like stared at me with like darts coming out of their eyes. Can you just turn it down? <laughs> like with such anger. And, yeah. and this is somebody that I yeah. loved and I admired and I wanted their love. And so that began me, instead of overcompensating, playing small. I'd, it's not safe for me to shine. I'm not supposed to be happy. That'll threaten their, their mood. And so uh, like we, it's different that we had different experiences. I yeah. was, wasn't told, I wasn't told you're a shithead. I was told like, oh, you're too much. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing about that is also, I think when you get into doing this type of work and evolving, you're sort of cherry picking the negative experiences, you know? So I think about, you know, the adult in my life that treated me like that. And you know, I think, God, that was just horrific. And I don't, you know, there's forgiveness and understanding and it's all like water under the bridge and I get it and everything's fine now. But then there were also um, adults in my life that were uh, at times extremely loving and supportive Absolutely. and nurturing and told me I could do anything and 
all of that. But when you're working on yourself, you don't go back to think about that stuff. Well, you know, you know those, I mean? those don't land. Like it's just in, kind our, of... in our brain chemistry, what really gets the blip in our consciousness and in our brain are the intense ones. So someone saying, right. hey, you did great. If it didn't land on the, on the Disneyland scale of amazingness, um, then it doesn't, it doesn't land as an imprint. It's the deeper fissures that, that we remember and those are the ones that cause the most harm. And so we don't tend to remember when things are going along. Those don't tend to shape us as much on, on the negative side. They tend to shape us, you know, overall of like, okay, I was loved, I was supported, I was encouraged. And so that shapes a certain level of stability. But the, the deeper pieces that need attending to are those ones that went deep and that's why those get our attention yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense i I think it's like going into the brain like with an emotional imprint like totally that those are the ones that are needing the transmission transmutation yeah because the the positive inputs like i think about my mom and um you know she there were just so many great values that she instilled in me just uh, you know tolerance and uh, compassion for other people and, you know, just taught me about racism and sexism and just was, Beautiful. I think, shaped me socially to just be a loving person and was very kind and loving to me and affectionate and all of those things. And so that, I think, has tempered my personality and some of the more negative attributes mm-hmm. that I picked up for whatever reason <laughs> through trauma and abuse Weird. and things like that. But I don't sit around going, oh man, that, that was great. I got a lot of hugs from my mom. You know, it's just, it's part of the best parts of my personality right. that have emerged. But because as you said, it they, they weren't the ones that really, boom, left that imprint where there's a blip on the radar of like, whoa, what was that when you got smacked or put down or, you know, traumatized in some way. And it's, it's, it's an important distinction. And I think it's really healthy to actually, when you're looking in, at your childhood and doing that inner child work is to stop and do a little digging to find the good in your experience, right? Absolutely. Or even the ways that we've benefited, you know, this could be hard for some people, but I know that I've benefited in certain ways by traumatic experiences and abuse that I encountered as a kid. Like, yeah, there's things that I've had to overcome, but there were so many gifts within that in terms of my own perseverance and tenacity and just you know, unwavering commitment to evolution that perhaps wouldn't have been there if it was just kind of a mediocre right. milk toast childhood where right. nothing really happened. And I kind of had a run of the mill family in the suburbs and it was just kind of flatlined. Well, you know, you, so I'm you, thankful for those, those are the ones, sharp experiences. Those are the ones that have, you know, to go deep into your personal development, those hold such keys and such treasures for, you know, your podcast talks a lot about this and about spirituality and consciousness and personal development. And the growth is going to come from transmuting those shadow aspects, turning them around and actually making them something positive in your life. That's personal development. That's a spiritual awakening journey. Absolutely. And when we haven't, then those samskaras, those wounds that are wanting to come back to center and be reintegrated um, are going to keep repeating like a record. They're just going to keep repeating because they're wanting to harmonize. They're wanting to heal. They're wanting to come back to full alignment again. And so they're going to keep causing mayhem in our life, whether it is a trauma that then turns into addiction, that then turns into a divorce and then turns into financial trouble or whatever, because it's trying to get our attention to go down and look at that and 
and realign it, which is what we talked about yeah, on my yeah, Sean totally. Angelic Healing Podcast. We totally. went deep into all things addiction and the core places there. And when we keep running into dissonance in our life, when we keep running into chaos and we keep repeating patterns, those are clues. And they usually always lead, lead back to one of those imprints that has left a scar that hasn't yet been fully healed. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. That beautiful sound is the sound of me cracking open a cold Olipop to drink while I record this here podcast. Now, as a kid, I drank tons of toxic soda. I didn't realize at the time that I was completely wrecking my health, nor would I have probably cared. But as I grew up into adulthood and became more knowledgeable about health, I, of course, like many people, quit soda, even though I loved it. So I was really stoked when I found Olipop, which is a healthy, low-sugar alternative to soda that tastes just as good. So Olipop is not only much lower in sugar than conventional sodas, it is also devoid of all of the other chemicals and additives that make sodas so toxic. What's even cooler is that they threw some fiber and prebiotics in there to help with your gut health. So it not only tastes delicious, like a real damn soda, it's extremely satisfying, very low sugar, good for your gut. It's just one of the coolest inventions of all time. And I'm really stoked because now I can drink soda again. So if you want to check out Olipop, we've got an exclusive deal for you Lifestylist Podcast listeners. You're going to receive 20% off plus free shipping on their best-selling variety pack by going to drinkolipop.com slash Luke. That's D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P. Drinkolipop.com slash Luke. And you're going to get that 20% discount and free shipping on their variety pack. And just for the record, you can also find them at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Wegmans, and even Erwan. So whether you grab your Olipop at drinkolipop.com slash Luke or at one of those finer retailers, enjoy soda like you used to without compromising your health in the process. And now back to the interview. You know, in, in this conversation, I'm pinging back to pivotal moments in my own awakening and growth. And a lot of this has been sorted out through just boots on the ground, spiritual, you know, reading spiritual literature, listening to thousands of hours of, you know, Mm -hmm. what I used to, I call them tapes because when I started listening (laughs) to spiritual teachers, they were on tape. We are that old. (laughs) Uh, And then CDs. And then, you know, now it's like, I guess you call them MP3s, Uh, audio files, audio recordings. Uh, but just, you know, a real slow journey. And then two years ago, I was guided in what I can now see was an earnest desire to explore plant medicines after being sober for 22 years. And so many of the mechanisms of healing that we're discussing right now were just, you know, like put on warp speed healing in those experiences, just things that I was stuck on as you're talking about those patterns that even if I could see it and have a rough sketch of what was shaping my personality and continuing to throw me into these dysfunctional uh, patterns of different sorts, I was still stuck in so many ways and I couldn't undo them and unravel them or fix them. It was like, yeah, I kind of know why I do this thing, but just fucking the way I am. 
and in some of those experiences, many of them are coming to mind um, as you're talking. It's just, I can't deny or downplay that those medicine experiences haven't been a huge catalyst to just major breakthroughs. But at the same time, I have a sense of mm, reverence for those medicines and the traditions from which they come. Uh, And also, you know, a a bit of like I tiptoe around it because I know that those experiences aren't for everyone and can be potentially very dangerous for certain people at different levels of their development and their chemistry. And, you know, all there's so many variables where I think that can go very wrong. And I know of some experiences that have been shared with me that it didn't go like mine did. Uh, And so, you know, in in talking to you as a, you know, I would say woman who's got shamanic gifts and has, I'm sure, had some level of experience with medicines, you seem to be kind of more on the natch with the breath work and not going down that path or being so much of an advocate for those experiences. So I'd like to move into kind of maybe the difference between, you know, getting in and doing the really deep work, perhaps in what in my experience was a much slower path. I got there, right? I got to a certain point. But then in two years, I probably did what I did in 10 years before that through, you know, I don't know how many different ceremonies. I've done 20 experiences or something in two years, which (laughs) saying that sounds like a lot, you know, and maybe it was, but it's just, I was just guided to do it and I did it. And then I took a pause for a while and now I'm kind of in a pause. I don't feel drawn to do that um, in the moment. There's so much to integrate still. So what's, you know, what's been your experience with doing things without any assistance from any plant medicine, psychedelics uh, versus you or other people you've worked with having those, A, and B, what, um, what causes you to have a little bit of what I sense as um, temperance around that path? And you, know, you definitely seem to be someone that's like, hey, be careful. It's not something you really promote. What's your take on, on, on those methods of awakening? I think that um, I love to dance this awareness of what is a medicine and, is it a po- and what is a poison. And that answer is not the same for everybody because a glass of wine for one person could be a medicine and for someone else, it could be a poison. And I think this is an inner journey of listening to what am I really called to? I think one of the things that you laid down the foundation of decades of sobriety and doing the the, the, the deeper, I mean, you were doing work laying the foundation that I think that provided the acceleration for your plant journeys, your your medicine journeys, your plant medicine journeys, because you had done a lot of work. There was a lot of consciousness. There was a lot of foundation there. And um, I think for the right person at the right time, um, meditation, yoga, breath work, a plant medicine journey may be the right, may really be a medicine. And... For somebody else, that might be a toxin. That might be something that, you know, is not work for them. For somebody that, you know, like one of my, one of my dear uh, friends had not done a lot of his deep inner work. So when he sat down to meditation, all of this rose up. So meditation for him was really scary. <laughs> You know, and it was not peaceful and it wasn't like, oh, I gotta yep. have a third eye awakening and yeah. talk to Archangel Michael and like all this shit. It was like his demons would come up 
just because he hadn't dealt with them. And so like for him, meditation was not peaceful. And and, and the reason why I'm, um, you know, I've experienced plant medicine journeys and, I, you know, I, I recognize that the right type of uh, experience at the right time can really help somebody's healing, their awakening, help them shift perspective. What, what, where I have trepidation is because I have seen how much it is not that for a lot of people that go to it for the wrong reason, for the wrong time, in the wrong person, in the wrong situation, and the wrong amount of times without integrating it. And so I think more than most, because a lot of people that have had um, ceremonies that didn't go so well, that did not leave them more whole, that were definitely not medicine definitely poison. I get a lot of those knocking on my door, Luke. And so I have a deep compassion for the fact that a a lot of what is out there in the media is like, yeah, this is the best ever. And people are not sharing, hey, I got sexually taken advantage of. Hey, you know what? It it sent me into, like I took an entity on. Um, I haven't slept in three weeks, uh, started seizures afterwards. So I get get a lot of people knocking on my door after experiences don't go well to do the cleanup work. So it's part of my role as Aya, Mama, Mother Ayahuasca, um, who I know, I know her well. I've been into the jungle and sat with her. And when I left the jungle, Luke, I asked her, I said, hey, what, you know, I sat in the jungle. I put my hands on an old vine and a younger vine. And I said, you know, what else, what else do you have for me before I leave? What else, what other message do you have for me? And she said, you are not to, t- to ingest me any longer. You are not to, you're not to take me in anymore. And I was like, oh, but I'm just getting to know you. <laughs> she goes, well, just ask me anything. I'm in your bloodstream. I'm in your consciousness. With any plant, with any, with anything, you can always just ask. She was inviting me to tap my unlimited ability to access the Akashic record and eternal wisdom that is accessible in all things, that it is not just by taking a plant that you have this knowing. Um, and she said, but our work here isn't done. And I thought that was kind of cryptic. I didn't understand what she meant by that. And it's because after my time with her, she kept sending people to me that didn't have very good experiences. And so what I got to see is where people that are, you asked earlier about ego being in the shadow place around spirituality. This is one of those places where people are disseminating substances that are not necessarily qualified, that don't necessarily know how to hold the space sacred, that are not qualified or participating in facilitating integration work to help people take what they received, the visions, the messages, and implement them into their everyday life. So that level of disintegration or the container not held safe or during the journey, uh, different energies being shared in ways in which are not safe necessarily for, for someone's psyche or their uh, soul self that get brought into their everyday reality. Um, because I've seen it so, so dark beyond what you could even imagine, Luke. It's dark. And um, 
So that's because it's not the plant that's doing that. It's the way it's used or misused. So it's not that mushrooms or or wine or ayahuasca or or breath work is bad or good. It's do you even need it? Is it the right medicine for you? And if so, is it the right dose? Is it the right time? Is it the right practitioner? Is it the right place? And is it with the right group of people? And most people are not asking those questions. And that's where it can go a little sideways. So like, or a lot sideways. I mean, it's different. You know, we were talking about this the other night. It's different when you just overdo tequila. Not that that's great. (laughs) And you and I, (laughs) we have overdone tequila and more. I've been there. Actually, the last night I drank was uh, tequila, tequila and beer. Oh my God, right? Mine was was a, a Cosmo. And I wasn't even a big tequila drinker. I think I just... I knew it was the last night and I just wanted like, to get the job done. Getting, you know? <laughs> way to go. Yeah. Uh, that you remember. Like, I don't remember a whole yeah. lot of my last time. But, you know, like that, um, we were talking about, hey, it's different what you do to your liver when you have a night of binge drinking because your liver is a resilient organ and your body can recover a little bit from a one night of drinking. One kind of ceremony like that, it can actually have that is not in alignment with your individual brain chemistry or your uh, psychological self Um, because we're all different, we're wired differently, can cause way more harm that can take, that, that isn't always fixable. It's not always fixable. And so I take that, that level of, I take that heeding, that level of respect that it is, it deserves a level of of respect when you're going to um, to discern whether or not it's the right thing for you. So good, so good to hear. Like, you know, and honestly, if people are navigating challenges yeah. after a ceremony, then I'll, I'm happy to help them. You know, with integration or the disintegration of their experience to come back to wholeness because it can go sideways. I'm and, glad you shared that because uh, you know, as I said, I do my best to have a sense of responsibility and always give disclaimers when I talk about these experiences because, because they've been largely amazing for me. It's hard for me to not be like a medicine and psychedelics cheerleader at times, but I know that, as you said, uh, I think my success with those experiences has a lot to do with the discernment that I built up and really learning to trust myself and being able to read people in situations and make pretty good decisions around that. Uh, but I can see how it would go terribly wrong for some people sometimes. And uh, it's good for me to hear that too, just to go like, oh shit, I don't want to become one of those statistics that goes off on a journey and doesn't come back for a while, if ever. And I know that that, that happens, you know? It does happen. But because I, I think because I've not been around that world, like I don't, I know. for 22 years, I didn't hang around people that did plant medicines or psychedelics. I didn't really know what it was outside of like back in the day doing shrooms and taking acid and right, right, going right. to see the dead and just yeah, being a maniac. High, right. <laughs> you know, but taking I, I whatever pills. I wasn't aware of like the works MAPS is doing and, you know, ketamine yeah. assisted therapy and MDMA therapy and, you know, psilocybin therapy. Like I was totally unaware of that because it was not for me because I was a sober guy and that's great for whoever's doing it, but it just wasn't in my, um, the realm of possibilities. So I thought. Well, and, and there's there's also another thing to just keep an eye on that it's not doesn't become a bypassing experience 
that keep going to that and then not doing the integration work. Because whatever uh, a mind-altering journey and whatever takes you there, whatever it shows you, that's still up in the ether. You still need to bring it down into reality and embodiment. It hasn't changed anything but your perspective. The deeper part of the journey happens when you start changing how you speak, how you act, how you feel, and how you embody. And so what happens a lot of times is that we go from one ceremony to another ceremony to another ceremony without actually doing the integration work and it actually becomes more ungrounding than grounding. Right, because you're tapping into, as you mentioned, the Akashic records or into the quantum field, right? The infinite potentiality of all wisdom of all time, (laughs) right? And so I, I think the risk there is in getting attached to the peak experience and getting attached to having a tool by which you can communicate to that field in a pretty reliable way and just keep gathering more data, Right. And I'm a data guy. I mean, one of my strengths is input. I just learn, 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 learn. I just take it in, take it in. And then I share what I think is meaningful, which is a great gift. But uh, I think even for me, I, you know, thanks to my um, lovely fiance, Allison, she mentioned, she mentioned to me one day, she's like, you know, you're a grown ass man, do what you want, but you're getting pretty frequent here with the journeys. Maybe just take a look at that. And, you know, thankfully I did take a pause and listen to her, but it's just like, every time I do it, I'm just getting all these answers, all these answers and unraveling all the keys to these, uh, you know, these hidden kind of uh, just all of it, just the creative inspiration and healing and all of the things that can come from those experiences. But now, even as we're talking, I'm going like, oh man, like in each experience, there were so many so lessons much. and so much wisdom to bring back and to actually activate in my life to take something I learned and to make it part of my living, breathing, physical experience. Then it is actually and becoming that, a medicine. Yeah. And that that does take a bit of time. It does too. take a bit of time because we're moving from yeah. this 5D time way up here in the etheric realm down to 3D time because you said, wow, I'm getting so many answers. I'm so getting answers, but they're only, they only become solutions to problem in the 3D if we do the integration work. How does this change the way I my daily habits? How does this change the way I think about myself? How does this change the way I treat other people? How does this change when I go back to the holidays and I face that person that now I've healed in the etheric realm during a journey? How does that change the way I interact with them? And do I actually have the tools to do that? Or I just have this knowing, but I still need to learn the tools and taking the answers and the visions and the perspective that we receive in the 5D and move it down into the body. I did a podcast with Aubrey uh, years ago called The Roadmap to Transformation. And it's about moving things out of the ether because when we receive a plant medicine journey or even a shamanic journey or meditation, when we receive something from our spiritual guides, our higher self, our soul, angels, in whatever form the catalyst is, that's just in the ether. Then we move it down into the air where we start speaking about it. Then we move it down into the fire where we start acting about it. When we start acting then that's going to move the waters of emotions. And so then this is where most people pull back because then the emotion of, then I'm really stepping into my power or I'm breaking up with this person. Then it starts to move. Any any unresolved emotions are going to start to rise. And that can often put out the fire of inspiration. And then we just go to more knowing and it keeps us from moving all the way across 
our emotional and traversing our emotional waters into earth and embodying what we know. Oh, so good. Yeah, so good. Because you get out into the wave, right? And the wave can be really intriguing and intoxicating, right? In the field, but without coming back into particle. Mm-hmm. Then what do you got? Right. You know, then you don't have you have you, you don't have the building blocks. It's like you have the blueprint, but you don't have the cement. Right. You gotta and have this the cement, is what you the bricks, did you for two build. decades yeah. is you were collecting building blocks. You said, Oh, it was kind of slow. Yes, it is slow in the three D. You know, you were collecting building blocks during those years about self-awareness and, you know, all of those, the 12 steps that you were taking accountability and um, watching your habits, watching your tendencies, all of those things that looked unsexy or felt uninteresting or it didn't look like a whole lot of what was happening. You were laying the ground groundwork in the 3D, my brother. That's the cement. That's the foundation. Then when you tap something conscious and you then you were able to bring it down because you had the tools to do that and so just because we get something in the 5d or we open up our higher gates of consciousness does not mean that we don't still need to do the work and learn the tools of how do i speak to my partner how do i have clear boundaries when i'm feeling disrespected how do i um, learn how to love myself and honor myself? How do I face a hater um, or deal with external judgment? Like you still need those tools. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I can only show you the way, but you'll still have to do the work. And that's where I, I that's, this is where I love shamanjelic breath work because there's a, that you get, you get shown what you're capable of integrating, not what is beyond what you're capable of integrating. And, um, so that's see that's great because you you have these um you know I have friends that will do a journey and um <laughs> you know, I'm sure I've been grandiose too but when you're <laughs> in that space I mean everything seems so real every insight that you have you're like this is the way it is and and I tend to think it mostly is but then when you come back sometimes the visions are so massive that. I think we can't even really contextualize it. And there's this sort of grandiosity of, you know, I had a vision and ceremony that, you know, I'm supposed to be the premier healer of all humanity, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, well, how do you map that? Yeah. How does, you know, yeah. Like, what's, <laughs> let's write down the steps that it's going to take to, to, to get there and actually <laughs> do that work. So it's, um, it's interesting, you know, it's almost as if those, those medicines, I think the last time I did, yeah, it was a psilocybin journey mm-hmm. with a group of people and I had taken quite a pause from it and it was a beautiful experience. I mean, just <laughs> the the litany of insights and teachings and things where it was just a lot. It's going to take a while to unpack. Um, but it was like, I had the sense that those substances are kind of like a telephone they're a communication tool between you and the quantum field, right? They aren't the field itself. They're a means by which to access it, right? Like I was doing in meditation and Kundalini yoga for years and years. And I'd have these peak experiences where I went, whoa, shit, what, what's happening here? I just tapped into something incredible. And, you know, hopefully was lucky enough to bring it back and remember and then put it into use. Uh, but I think a lot of us, have the tendency to get caught up that we think that, you know, that medicine is the point, like that's the thing rather than that's just one of many tools that can be used. So that leads me into, 
your um, shamangelic breath work. I want to really cover that because I think it's so important that people have tools, yeah. especially those people that for whatever reason, their own inner knowing, they think I'm not going to go take mushrooms or ayahuasca or DMT or people that have gone down that path and maybe overdone it and like, whoa, I need to pump the brakes a bit. There are other ways to do it. And so how is the breath a conduit like an ayahuasca? I mean, I think it can complement anybody's journey whether you use plant medicines or you use med- you know, meditation or whether you're chanting or whatever it is, I think it's a, it's a beautiful compliment to anybody's journey um, or any, anybody's path. And um, a shamanic journey is meant to take you to your edge. You know, it's meant, it's meant for you to go into the darkness and see what's there. It might take you into the, it also might take you into the depths of your light and your beauty and to see what's there. You might see your power, your potential, your future. You might, um, you might see, you might be taken to um, a, a part of your past that needs to be healed or a trauma that is, needs to be faced and re, relived in a way that you can rewrite it or open compassion and forgiveness for. And so I'm always blown away uh, by how powerful the, the shaman that is breath, that is prana, when given permission to go to where it needs to go within that human's, uh, within that soul's journey, is when it's given permission to, to, to go and bring the medicine where it's needed, it's always so brilliant. It's always oh, so brilliant. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. But I just had, I just remembered a realization I had at some point and it was in regard to breath. I think because we humans tend to think we're the center of the universe and we're controlling and we're (laughs) making, we're we're making everything happen. (laughs) One day I had the realization that I'm, it's like, I'm not breathing. I'm actually being breathed that this field, this plasma field that we're in, in the human meat suit, um, has this life force that actually forces oxygen in and out of our lungs for us. Yeah. And, and you literally can't stop breathing. I mean, you could sit here and try to suffocate yourself. Right. I'm not going to breathe. I'm not going <laughs> to breathe. It's like God or consciousness goes, nope, poof, and actually pushes air into your lungs. It and has so, its own intelligence. Yeah. You know, that's like in, in the, in the passive sense of just like, I'm sitting here and I'm being breathed. But when one's spiritual will is applied to the body and you have a technique, like I'm, you know, I want to unpack what you've learned or developed or, or how, you know, how it's happened for you. But I just kind of tapped into that, like, oh, the breath is already powerful on its own. Cause Hey, that's what's making us be able to walk around. Yeah. But when we apply a little bit of exertion to that and we have some guiding principles that allow us to do it in a ceremonial way with some intention and a method, then imagine what's possible because now we're co-creating with that plasma field that's doing it to us and for us. And we're going, cool, you keep doing that and I'm going to add in a little exertion here and we're going to really take off. So anyway, I just a realization I wanted to share because it was meaningful to me. And just kind of a, okay. an affirmation that yeah, there's a there's a benevolent 
force in the universe that's working for me. And one of the ways that it does it is by making sure that my blood has oxygen in it. You it's, know what I mean? It's got intelligence. I yeah. hear what you're saying is that it's yeah. got intelligence. And I have, when I have, I've been partnering with that energy field, the wisdom of prana and breath and revere it as a teacher. When we allow the breath to go where it needs to go. So it depends on the person because we might direct the breath if someone is having an ailment to that body part, to that tumor. We might direct it there. We might direct it to um, bring breath and life and hold space for the inner child that has had a trauma. We might help it to open up the heart. We might help it to shake off all of this density and this heaviness that we held from dad's rage and mom's insecurity. And we might use it to help clear out like a big gusty wind to kind of clear out all of the density that's been in the basement some of which, which isn't even ours. It may be ancestral. It may be from our family, our bloodline, past lovers. And so it might be the clearing aspect of it to shake off density that isn't ours. It might be the doorway when we start deep breathing. The, you know, the bellows breath to kind of go down into the basement of the feelings that we have oppressed and ignored that are way deep down there. When we give the breath permission to go into the basement of our feelings, the first time I experienced breath work with one of my teachers, the emotion that rose when I was in a safe container and allowed the breath to go where it needed to go, and I didn't, I didn't direct it, I didn't tell it where to go, because then I'm, I'm doing the healing rather than the breath knowing where I need to be healed or knowing where to go. And so when there's, when you're in a container, and this is why I love to create a very, very safe container where we leave judgments at the door, where we leave, I can't express this or I can't do this. We leave all of the oppression of, of, of holding back our natural authentic motions and leave that at the door. Then when I started breathing for the first time, and it, and it went down into the basement of my emotions, the first emotion that came up was rage. Not anger. Let me be really clear. This was like a fiery dragon. And what, what it was from was from all of the times that I was not allowed to express anger about things that weren't right. The, you know, physical abuse, um, things that I didn't think were fair, heartbreak, things that were hurtful, like things that at a soul level I knew weren't right, but I didn't have a safe space. I didn't, I wasn't big enough. I wasn't courageous enough or there wasn't the right container and girls aren't supposed to be angry. And so that emotion, the fiery, the more of the fiery emotions were judged and oppressed. So the first time I was given that permission for the emotion to come up, I had no idea rage was there. And it was I mean, I screamed so loud and so deep and I, my, had my nails been longer, I'm sure I would have drawn blood from how deep my fists were clenched and how angry I was. Um, And it just unleashed this fury of the, you know, heavier emotions that were stuck inside me that were creating distortions in my life. And that's, I think that that, that, you know, because anger and, the liver are so closely intertwined that angry, ang- you know, unresolved anger and alcohol tend to go together. 
and I was a drinker, you know, not heavy drinker, but I was a drinker. And it was trying to water down the anger. And so when the first time I did uh, breath work, rage came out. Other times, water, you know, the watery emotions of sadness and grief and where were things that didn't go my way, heartbreak and death. And like, I wasn't able to grieve and, and didn't know how, and it wasn't the safe space or it was thwarted. Um, it allowed this freedom, uh, unleashed a lot of unresolved emotion, weeping, 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 not from one thing, but from all of it. And then once a lot of that kind of unresolved emotion was, because I did a lot of breath work for, for a, lot of, a lot of my journey and still do, um, for me personally to help keep clean house. Then when a lot of that cleared out of the way, I was able to connect with my true essence. I was able to connect with spiritual guidance. I was able to connect with my heart. I could go anywhere in and out of the body, in and out through time. I was able to astral travel. It unlocked all of these abilities that the dense emotions were holding me down in the basement. And I wasn't really able to be free of that. It was like these shackles on my ankles. And this is why I love breath work is that we can tailor it to the person to be like, what density is there? Is it your emotion? Is it your doubt? Is it your pain? Is it somebody else's stuff? Is it your own fear? What's there? Let's start excavating the density in a safe, loving space where you can scream, you can cry, you can laugh, you can say, fuck off. You can <laughs> say no. You can say yes when you want to say yes. And all you can cry when you need to cry and be angry and it's it's you're in a safe container and i love 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 holding the the space that and then for men you know women are told don't 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 yell and scream and don't get angry because that's impolite and and men are told don't be a pussy like you said earlier don't be a was don't cry and don't feel and so I've had the blessing of holding space for so many men that haven't cried in decades and women too, allowing, you know, their, their sadness about a breakup or, you know, a rejection or a pain or a wound that they hadn't dealt with or an issue they hadn't dealt with. So I feel like there's emotional excavation and then there's this, this is why I call it shamanjalic because then there's this, heart opening expansion space because we just cleared out density that was taking up our space, our authentic space. So when that's moved out, there's this whole beautiful space opened up for light, truth, love, grace, um, expansion, power, joy to come back in, freedom, adventure. And it's it's so liberating to watch people make that shift in front of my eyes and to watch them forgive things that they've been holding on to for a long time and connect to an aspect of their power or their light or connect to their guides. And um, I'm just blown away about how deep and beautiful it can be. And so it's been one of those things in my medicine bag that is just keeps showing up and deepening as I... Who was the teacher that you referred to that you um, first did a uh, session with? Um, this is it, was... Is, some, is it someone anyone would know? No, no. Well, he's long since retired and oh, okay. this was 20 years ago. Oh, wow. So he was a guy, he was a, he was a, 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 a shamanic healer in um, 
um, in the outskirts of LA. Oh, okay. And so he's uh, since retired. Most of the people that I've trained with have since retired because um, it was so long ago. And, and I trained in a lot of different modalities because I wanted to see how different people did it. And it's not just about the excavation to me. It's also about the angelic, about bringing, you know, a lot of the teachers that I learned from were men. And one of the things that I noticed that was missing was a very, very gentle tenderness that um, that comes through me when I get the opportunity to hold space for somebody um, that is very soft and maternal and gentle and and shape shifting between the masculine and the feminine and like ah, let's get it out to oh sweetie it's okay it's okay to feel what you need to feel sweetie it's okay you don't have to hold that any longer and there's a a gentleness and a softness that i felt in my shamanic work that i learned from the from mostly all mostly men that i learned from that has been added in of like wow we need we need to also face the the core healing in that that when we go into the inner wounds with with gentleness and sweetness and sometimes that is really more of the feminine element that's missing and uh, the gentleness and the softness. And sometimes people whose nervous system is, is very frazzled, I'm not going to do a deep fiery journey. The music is going to be very different. My tone is going to be very soft. It's going to be a whisper. It's not fire because I've got to read the energy field to see what alchemy is needed right now. And if they're fried, they just need to be held. It's going to be a very soft journey. Hmm. You know, a lot of the men that are like, (laughs) I'm like, what if you softened? And it's like, what the fuck? What do you mean soften? You know, (laughs) they they just want to push the gas pedal. You know, and I do, it doesn't work with Aubrey and like a a lot of the, you know, on it crew and tribe. And a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the guys that are, um, just so powerful and courageous with their fire. And um, I get that and I see it and it has its place, but in the healing space, it's wonderful to be courageous, but the courage that we're talking about is to be gentle. The courage that is sometimes the deeper alchemy of the medicine is not more fire. It's like just to hold them, just to put a hand on their heart, just to let them cry and not be judged to let them soften. And it's not about cracking open the nut or like forcing it open. Sometimes it's learning how to be feminine. And that's the energy that they're craving the most and needing the most. And so it's so beautiful to be in a room full of, let's say 12 different people and and be shape-shifting every 30 seconds between people's energy and their journey and actually being in different places in the room at the same time, um, supporting this woman that's curled over on her side, just weeping. Somebody else is releasing a sexual trauma. Somebody else is saying, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Like, motherfucker. And I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, and they're like, you know, purging out the demons from under. And then somebody else is like, oh, you know, they're just like flying and, and they're with their guide. And, and then somebody else is like opening their heart space and they're just melting. They're just, they're being bathed in what I call holy water when tears come. It's just holy water. They're just 
being bathed in tears of healing and grace and their heart is opening for the first time in decades. And so I, I feel that this modality is, is, well, it's legal, that helps. You don't have to go yeah. out of the country for it. Um, integration happens more quickly. The journey happens much shorter. And when we give permission for the breath to go where you need to go, then you'll receive what you're ready to receive and not more and not less. And uh, uh, it's been such an honor to be doing this kind of work. And it's been a great teacher for me. Um, The honor to hold such deep, vulnerable space with thousands of people that have allowed me to literally hold them while they weep or help them release sludgy density from lifetimes of, 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 of pain and darkness and, and uh, people are like, well, God, doesn't that take a lot of energy from you? And I'm like, no, like it's an honor. Like I, it's, this is my soul calling. This is one of the, the deep privileges of being, you know, following my, my soul path here. In terms of the technique that you've developed, um, were there things that you picked up from somatic breath work and holotropic? What are, for people that don't know kind of some of the, the modalities within yeah. breathwork, what are some of them out there that one might look up? I mean, obviously people can look you up and maybe yeah. have an experience with you, but what are, you know, I don't know a lot about the history. I didn't even know people are doing breathwork in that sense 20 years ago. I know, yeah. in, you know, certain yogic traditions as in yeah. the Kundalini tradition, it's probably since humans existed, they figured right. out you can alter your consciousness by breathing in right. certain ways. But in terms of the Western model, what are some of the schools of thought around this type of work that have influenced you or that you're even aware of? Well, um, one of the things is, you know, there's a lot of different techniques to start opening up the channels. And really what you're doing is hyperoxygenating the body. <sighs> deep inhales and deep, deep exhales. Now there's a lot of different techniques, whether it's a double inhale or a double exhale or like into the chest, into the belly, out through the belly, out through the chest, you know, like different cha- different ways, different techniques. Um, and in learning all of these different breathing techniques, I got to watch how they work. And the more complex the breathing technique, I noticed that about half the group would be so much in their head trying to be like, okay, inhale into my lungs (laughs) and then how do I inhale into my belly? Okay, into my belly. And then it's a three-part exhale. And, you know, I noticed that some people would be able to get to the space, especially those that were yogis that were accustomed to breathing and directing breathing places could get on autopilot and go like create, follow a technique and get in and and get on autopilot with it and then go into a trance space. But I'd say about when I watched the more complicated techniques, I also noticed that about 50 people, 50% of the people had this, you know, furrowed brow and they were in their head the whole time trying to figure out the breathing technique, which kept them from going into the experience. And so I've put a pause on all of those more complicated breathing techniques because it's really just a doorway to getting into the internal terrain of your emotion um, or what's inside. And so 
I just, you know, deep inhales and exhales, just keep, keep going, keep breathing. And when it starts to lock the emotion, we're there. To me, that's the journey. That's the juice. And so I get people breathing in the, in the beginning, and then I'm going to weave into their field. And that to me is the real technique of, of going in, reading the situation, reading the body, reading what their soul is going through, and then reach into my medicine bag and maybe it's a whisper. Maybe it's the way of, of putting hands on their body or it's a shamanic emotional clearing technique or the rattle or whatever is needed. I've got all these different medicine tools I've, I've attracted along the way that supports that person going deeper. It's not anymore about the breath work. The breath it, technique. It. For me, yeah. for the way I facilitate breath work, it, because people will be having their emotional journey and they'll go out of the journey to get back on the breath technique right. and they miss this whole experience of lo- unlocking, releasing this or facing this experience. And I feel like, and that's, I do um, breathwork facilitator training for, you know, I do two weeks of, of training for people that are interested in healing modalities and are called to facilitate that kind of thing because um, it's really also about the container and the explanation so that they feel held and safe. Because if they don't feel held and safe, it doesn't matter what breath technique, they're not going to go very deep. They'll be in their head the whole time on a breathing technique that doesn't take them into an emotional experience or a spiritual awakening or a heart opening um, experience. Do you typically have people lying down? Yes, on their back. And are you doing uh, mouth breathing predominantly? Well, or? Um, mostly. And I tell yeah. people to change it up because sometimes okay. people, you know, going through your nose and then we'll do different breath locks as well. Mm. So we'll do, that's, you know. That's the juice right that's there. That's the juice. <laughs> but, you know, you got to clear out the basement first. Right. So I like to use the breath to clear out the lower energy, like get the lower emotions out first. And then... Like when we've cleared a lot of that out, then in the later part of the, in the middle and later part of the journey, we'll start opening up to higher consciousness because we've made space for it. If we do that too early, we don't have as much space. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny uh, that, that, you know, I mean, I knew we were going to talk about breath work because it's one of your specialties, but for some reason, since I've been out here, I think I've done my morning breath work every day and I've been here for a month. Back home, it's sporadic, you know, if I have time, but maybe it's because, you know, back home I have so many tools like, oh, do I want to get in the hyperbaric chamber? Do I want to take a sauna? I got the ice bath, the biocharger, the amp coil, you know, (laughs) it's just like I have a chest of toys there and, you know, I go through different phases, but out here I didn't bring anything except my higher dose uh, infrared mat, you know, PMF mat, which is beautiful, by the way, folks listening. Amazing. Love that thing. Uh, but it was flat, so I could throw it in the SUV and get the right. rest of our Easy, shit out yeah. here. Um, so I have that. And then I picked up the Lucia Light, which was delivered here, uh, which I want to take you on a journey with the Lucia Light if you've not tried it. Yes, it's, please. I'm, you, you know, know I did it. Actually, for it. dude, the Lucia Light, I've done uh, Allison, the woman that she's been on the show, Allison Policier, just a, a diversion here for a second. Um, we did a journey at my house with about five people with the Lucia light and she led us on a breathwork journey under this psychedelic awesome. Lucia light. <laughs> I took a little ketamine that day also. <laughs> Just to amp it up. Why yeah, not? Which, it was, it was pretty hardcore. Um, so yeah, but, uh, it'd be, it'd be fun to have you get to experience that. Um, where was <laughs> I going with this? Um, shit, totally lost my train of thought. 
modafinil deficiency. Um, <laughs> anywho, where was I going you said with this? With breath work, we were talking about yeah. what you didn't know about breath work. Yes. I think it might've had something to do with the breath holds. Yeah. Uh, oh no, I was like, yo, no, I, yeah, I know what I was going. Okay. So out here, I, I've been really good about doing my breath work because I'm not distracted by all these other options and things like that. So it feels really good. And I think that might have, you know, the energies here also, but might have something to do with what I was talking about earlier that I just have so much energy here. Yeah. I don't feel tired. And it's like, oh, I've been really consistent. With your breath And work. perhaps that's one of the reasons I haven't felt particularly off balance here mm-hmm. and kind of thrown about by the energies of the iron bowl of Sedona. <laughs> uh, I've been grounding every morning and in the, I don't even know what technique, it's kind of a, maybe a mashup of some different things that I've done in breathwork experiences, but it's maybe a combination of like, Wim Hof style and the Joe Dispenza breath uh-huh. holds, yeah. you know? Um, and I really love the holds, but I love the holds. I'll do quite a few rounds, maybe, I don't know, three, four rounds where I'm doing maybe 30 inhale exhales. And then I do the hold and like tighten up all those centers mm-hmm. uh, and just mash that pineal gland. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and then I'll go meditate or go do a Lucille light session or something like that. So I'm, I'm really setting myself up for success here. But um, I think for me, where the magic happens, and maybe this because there's been a lot of clearing of the emotions over the years through all the work, but man, the holds are always where I just I just pop, and that's where on a good day I'll go into pretty close to like a medicine sort this of space. Is the thing you know? is, uh, it's, this is the thing powerful. you can absolutely alter your conscious altered states of consciousness and awareness and. In this kind of shamanic journey, when Aubrey came years ago, we met nine, eight, eight or nine years ago now. Um, and he came at a retreat that I was co-facilitating and he'd breath work with me. And he's like, that was just as deep as any plant medicine ceremony <laughs> right. I've been on. Like, what the fuck? What are you doing? And so then I've been working with him and the whole crew ever since and trained, you know, some of his people. Um, and I do that for fit for service and all of his on it people. Um, and... That's what that's one of the reasons why I like it is is when we really go into that space we can move into altered states of consciousness we can go in and out of dimensions and forward and back in time we can go into the future we can go into the past that that's a shamanic journey and the breath can take you there and with the right guide with the right space with the right intention um magical things magical things can happen and I just I just I love it. It's so juicy. Have you explored any of the science around what's happening to our physiology during breath work? Yeah. You know, it's uh, maybe, I want to say maybe four years ago or so, I did a, a, a few Wim Hof trainings. And um, in one of them, the, uh, you know, the teachers were saying, oh, this is the, the DMT breath. And it was on your back. And I think it was a pretty mm. vigorous inhale, kind of a fast inhale, exhale for a long time, maybe 30, 40 minutes. Uh, and then I believe we did a full exhale out and then you held it as long as possible till you start T-rexing and mm-hmm. convulsing. And then there was a big inhale in and then tensing your whole body and holding and holding and holding. And then poof, you would just absolutely trip balls. <laughs> uh, amazing. Um, and I thought, oh, that's cute. They call it the DMT breath. It's just like a hook to get people interested in it maybe. But then I started studying the Joe Dispenza work and and went to one of his workshops and in one of his slide presentations, it was fascinating. So he talked about 
And when I interviewed him, I was like, dude, you're just doing Kundalini yoga. And he's like, well, yeah, but who's going to put on a turban and wear all white? I'm trying to reach the masses, Luke. And you right. know, I was like, oh, respect. I get it. But he showed how when you, um, when you inhale and you, you, know, you kind of uh, tense up all your chakras, that you're actually sending spinal fluid up that canal mm-hmm. that goes up into the center of your brain where the pineal gland lives. And when you do that hold in, in this very specific yogic way that what's happening is you're putting pressure on the pineal gland uh, and you're you're breaking up. I forget, I'm going to paraphrase his thing and maybe you know, but you're, you're breaking up these little crystals. Calcifications. Yeah, around the pineal gland and it starts to create a, a magnetic field and then produces the metabolites of what eventually becomes dimethyltryptamine through uh, tryptophan to serotonin. To, there's like a cascade of these neurotransmitters. And what you eventually end up with is your own, um, your own DMT. Right. You're, you, we we are our crazy. own pharmacy. It's fucking crazy. We and I was are. like, well, you just proved scientifically. So for you with the work you're doing, have you studied any of the science that, like that of what's happening? Or do you get a sense of... <laughs> Uh, I, Why I we get, get a sense so of it. altered by yeah. these experiences? Um, yes. Uh, you know, certainly Joe Dispenza has gone down that rabbit hole way more than I have, um, for sure, around the science of that. Um, but on, on, on just the gross physical level, when you're hyper-oxygenating the physical body, it's going to start to, as you oxygenate your blood, you're going to start to detoxify um, on the physical, on, the, on just the physical level. And so you're also starting to release as you start to detoxify the cells. The cells are also where the cellular memory is held. That's why if you just keep heavy breathing, this is more from an energetic and emotional perspective Mm -hmm. because that's where I I live in that world more. And so when you start hyper-oxygenating and you start detoxifying your cells and your tissues, that's why memories start coming up. And that's where we want to be accessing the emotion so that we can actually release that emotion instead of the toxins just being cycled again. So you're releasing physical toxins and emotional toxins just by doing the breathing when you're doing the breath hold that you're talking about. And this is in, in, you know, in the yogic principles as well. When you're doing Kapalabhati is, is the, the breath of fire, like this kind of, um, or through the nose. And then you do kumbhaka. These are all Sanskrit terms, the, the hold. And when you hold it and you hold your perineum, your root lock, and you hold your belly in, your, the second chakra, and you hold all of those, those locks, it's called a, a maha lock or a master lock and you hold back your throat as well. And you're holding all of that. It goes up this, the, the Shoshona, which is your, Shoshona, which is your, um, your spinal cord and the energy center going through your body. Now it's going all the way up to your third eye and to your crown. And it shoots that up. When you just hold the breath, that's a little different than when you hold it and root lock, second chakra lock, your belly lock and your throat lock. 
that really sends it up fast. So what you're doing there is you're actually opening the channels for higher consciousness. You're decalcifying those glands because when we're not using them, they'll calcify just like a muscle that when we don't use it atrophies and our gateways to higher consciousness, our intuition and our access to divine creator, source, truth, universe begins to calcify because we don't use it. And the calcification is also coming from not breathing heavily, not moving our bodies, not oxygenating, and also eating a diet that is literally dumbing us down. And so the breath work and also the breath holds, as well as meditation when you focus on your third eye, is decalcifying those glands, the pineal and the pituitary glands. It is releasing those chemicals, those juicy chemicals that... um, the yogis would call Amrita, the divine nectar. We may call it DMT, you know, but it's the bliss chemicals. And this is where we can alter our state of mind and our emotional state just by breathing. And so once we massage those glands more, and we're not just doing it once every six months, but like you say, you need to be doing this on a daily basis, the, the connections to our higher consciousness and our channels for divine insight begin to stay open and we begin walking awake. And that's really the idea so that we're not having to go to a plant medicine ceremony or even to a breathwork ceremony, but we're actually, once we've done a lot of our work, we're actually learning how to recalibrate ourselves every morning or in the evening and keep those channels, we're really just opening all of the chakras because the, what, I, what I'm doing here and the work that I'm doing with, with my clients and people that come here, we're clearing the lower energy centers, you know, where, where there's density, where there's emotional pain, where there's fear, where there's doubt, all of this stuff that not safety, all of those in our lower chakras, we're reclaiming our confidence in our light. We're opening our heart. We're expressing our truth. And we're seeing more perspective and we're connecting to divine guidance. We're actually opening and balancing all of our chakras and aligning them. And that's, that's the idea is that, that we're not, once we learn how to do that, then we're not leaning on mushrooms or external validation or <laughs> any, any of it because we're, we're it. We can access any of that at any time. We already know who we are. And that's the whole point is that sometimes these are things that help us along the way, but they are, they're just supposed to be training wheels. And then you stand and walk in your truth and we stop with the external anything. That's the idea. Amazing. I know. Why not? Um, These mics are expensive, so I don't want to drop them, but that is a good mic drop right there. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful way to to wrap this up. I want to thank you for inviting me into your home and being so gracious and feeding us the other night and just being a really warm-hearted receiver of us in this this town of 10,000 folk here. And, you know, I didn't know anyone here. I just came, I think, well, maybe I want to move here. Let's go check it out. And so... I think Allison found you um, actually before I did. And she, when we travel, she researches the local scene and tries to find like-minded people to hang out with or, you know, record with or whatever. So very grateful. Turns out we know a few people. And, we have a uh, lot of common yeah, tribe. Yeah, like yeah. all of the podcasts you've been on, a lot of some of them and yeah. I've been on that circuit as well. And yeah. and the the tribe keeps growing and, and expanding and deepening. And I'm so grateful to have have had the chance to, to to 
create this connection with both you and Allison. It's just a soul nourishing tribe connection that I'm Likewise. sure will continue to grow. Likewise. Yeah. Uh, so I got one last question for you. It's a, it's a three part answer. And that is <laughs> who are, or what are three teachers or teachings that have influenced you in your work that you might share with the audience? Mm. I think for me, nature has been one of the greatest teachers when I just go outside and I look at how a tree stands in the wind and doesn't get knocked over. Like my, my, um, my, uh, you know, vision quests have been with trees and mountains and I have found great medicine for free without altering my state of consciousness, without paying to go anywhere is to just go outside and pay attention, ask nature, be curious. How does this plant survive in the middle of the desert? How does this mountain withstand the wind and the rain and it's, it's stable? So I have found one of my greatest teachers has just been nature to just listen, watch, ask, pay attention, as well as the elements of learning how to balance the alchemy. Am I being too fiery, not enough fire? Mm. Am I grounded? Am I up here in the ethers too much or not enough because I'm not, I'm not really going to my, you know, spiritual practices. And so I think learning how to ask how, how are my elements doing today and what do I need to lean into at this time today or in this season that I need to alchemize. So I'd say nature has been, you know, some of my greatest teachers and, of, of course, people in every situation and my emotions are constantly teaching me whether I'm acing life or tripping over lessons that are trying to get my attention. You know, so I think my emotions, environments, my triggers, the people around me, how I'm feeling have all been great teachers that continue to invite me um, to refine, grow and heal. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to put all of this in the show notes, but lastly, for those listening, where can they find you, website, social media, et cetera? Yes. Well, first of all, I want to make sure everybody gets a free gift. So we'll, we will do a chakra balancing since we talked about chakra balancing. We'll do a guided chakra balancing meditation since we kind of hit all things chakras. So we'll give that as a free gift to the audience. Okay, cool. Um, so there is that. And also I'm at Anahata Ananda, lots of A's. Um, and so I'm on all, all the socials for sure on Instagram and, and Facebook. And there's also a YouTube channel. You can find me here in Sedona at Shamangelic Healing. And um, for those that are called to Sedona, look me up. Let me know in advance because I tend to book up. And if you're called to, to, to do a, a journey, a retreat or a breathwork session, um, then let me know. I'm happy to support you. There's also for those people that can't make it to Sedona right now, which I understand a lot of people are, are you know, not traveling, which is great. Um, that if you're honoring just staying put, then there's all kinds of virtual experiences. And we're going to give a discount on that clear um, clear boundaries course. Definitely. Oh, cool. Okay. We'll, we'll give a discount we'll... to everybody listening. Cause I, I wish for everybody to have that. And there's virtual breath work that I'm doing now, as well as virtual workshops and online courses and online coaching. So wherever you are in your journey, I'm here to support you along the way. The Shamangelic Healing Podcast, which you are a guest on. So uh, tune into that for you know, free access to inspirational content. 
But if you're still listening to this, uh, then you're my you're my kind of people. You <laughs> that's, know? What, that's what I always say at the end of the episodes because I'll go do my outros and you know I plug the sponsors and stuff. And it, sometimes those will be like another twelve minutes after a two hour interview. And I'm always like, if you're still here, you are a super fan, and I right. love you. You know, yes, because you know as the conversation goes. I mean, we're you an know, hour. And we're just shy of two mortgage. hours, but <laughs> honestly, like I know when I'm like cool. At least I think I know. Uh, when we're at a good, you know, pause point, I wanted to get into parenting, but you know, then another we'd be here time. another two hours. So we'll do a part two. Uh, but I, you know, I thank you for your work and all the offerings. And for those listening, we're going to put all this stuff in the show notes. Uh, you can get the show notes emailed to you by going to lukestory.com slash newsletter, lukestory.com slash newsletter. I promise not to spam you, but I will send you all of the relevant links and links to the transcripts every week. Uh, with that, Thank you so much. And Thank you. I'm one of those people that is going to be doing some breath work with you here. Yes. So As you'll, a, you'll share that. By the time I will have recorded the intro for this, I will have had that experience and be able to, uh, you know, give it my, I'm sure, recommendation in the intro. But I'm if really... you live. You know, I mean, I mean I've got a pretty good, you know, survival rate. So hopefully good. you'll be in that good. percentage of survivors. And, you know, um, yeah honored to hold space yeah, for you and, and Allison. And I, I want to just say one other thing for the people listening and watching still is that, you know, if this has been deep medicine for you, if you felt something valuable, please share this with other people. I, you are doing such amazing work and the effort that goes into putting on, uh, you know, putting together a conversation like this all of the tech that you invest in, the time, the production, um, the more people that can hear it, the better. And I know you have a huge audience and and um, just inviting people watching and listening to also share it so that other people can continue to hear about wonderful conversations and all of the beautiful magic that you're bringing out. I have such deep reverence for the work that you do and what a beacon of light that you are and the path that you walk and Thank you for bringing well, your thank medicine. thank you. And thank you for encouraging people to share it. Now, I don't have to say that in the <laughs> outro. <laughs> you know, it's like some people will, you know, buy stuff from the sponsors and that helps, you know, keep the lights on and stuff. But I always say like, man, you don't have to spend money to enjoy this podcast and benefit from it. You know, if you feel like reciprocity is in order, just text it to a couple of your friends. You know, I do awesome. that all the time. I listen to a good podcast. I'm like, oh my God. Share it. I got to send this to my boy, Elliot, or whoever yeah. it is, you know, it's Post just... it. If you found like a part of the conversation, then post it on your socials or share it with your network because yeah. then just more people hear about it. And then uh, that, that's our intention is that, you know, this is not just a conversation for you and I, but we would have this conversation anyway. We have had yeah. this conversation anyway. Yeah. Um, but it, it really lands when other people get to receive it. For sure. So, All right. Well, thank you. Thanks and, everybody uh, for tuning in. And with in. that, we are out. Thank you. Boom. There it is. Mic drop. The last episode of 2020 with Anahata Ananda. Thanks so much for joining me, man. What a hoot this year has been. So many great conversations have been had and shared. Thank you for listening to those of you that have listened. Next year, 2021, in a couple days, we've got another episode coming for you. It's called Shroom Shaman Miracles and Mindful Meandering with Harry Paul. That one is going to be a great way to kick off 2021. And however crazy things seem to be, I am hopeful that good and truth and liberty will prevail uh, on this planet and that we are just uh, going through a bit of a dark night of the soul where shadows are uh, being uh, 
uh, enlightened, let's say. And so we just got to keep our heads together, man. We got to stay together. We got to love each other. Even though so many of us disagree, I'm doing my best to love the people that I disagree with even more than the people I agree with. You know what I mean? That's the challenge. But uh, I'm really excited to kick off the year with my friend, Harry. You guys are going to love Harry. He is the best. He's awesome. So I'm so excited to uh, make that the first episode of the new year, man. And, uh, you know, as I said, just on the road here, looking for a home, kind of in vagabond mode, trying to uh, find somewhere to put roots down. And you will soon be hearing the results of that search uh, as we continue to, to look around and feel out and feel into what serves the highest good in terms of where my next phase of life is supposed to be. So it's a, it's an odd way to end the year kind of in limbo with so many things uncertain collectively and individually and subjectively within my own life. But I am not only hopeful, but trusting in that all will be well. And so I'm excited to go into this next year with you, the loyal fans and, and listeners of this show. And, uh, I have some amazing things in store for you in terms of our guests and topics. There are conversations in the works that are going to blow your mind. I've got Mick Jagger coming up. No, I'm just kidding. I was trying to think of something that would really blow your mind or my mind. (laughs) Um, Actually, Keith Richards would be my preferred Rolling Stone interview if I had to pick one, to be honest. But uh, no, I've got some, um, you know, it's not only the big names. It's just there are some big names coming, but it's also just big conversations, you know, needle moving conversations, paradigm shifting conversations, conversations that move your heart and move your mind and expand your awareness and hopefully, dare I say, elevate your consciousness, which is really the goal here for me. I don't know what you're doing here. That's what I'm doing here. All this biohacking stuff, all the health stuff, that's just to optimize the protoplasmic human meat suit so that the nervous system maintains the vitality and tenacity to not only accept, but to cultivate and expand the spiritual awakening. That's why I do all the things. Just because there's a mission here. The mission for me is enlightenment, baby. And I'm going as far as I can go in this lifetime. And in order to do that, it takes some physical stamina and strength because the higher your consciousness goes, the higher uh, amplitude of energy one must endure and uh, and manage, you know? So that's why I love to cover health topics on the show and I love to see people alleviate their suffering. You know, we're kind of trapped in the physical body while we're here. It's a gift, but it can be a burden if that body is not being agreeable. As mine has not been for the past few days, my immune system went, you know what, F you, I'm taking a break. We're letting, we're letting a bug in. We're going to... Uh, we're going to reprogram things here <laughs> and, and create some immunity to whatever these things are in the air. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's been a, a challenging few days in that way. But, um, you know, the positive action of me being able to record these intros and these conversations and stuff always keeps me in the game. You know, it gives me a sense of purpose and, um, and belonging. And so I want to thank you for joining me on that journey And um, speaking of gratitude and thanks and keeping your body fine-tuned and optimized, we've got three great sponsors. Don't hang up yet. Now, I know. You're like, sponsors? I don't want to hear any commercials. But seriously, man, there are so many useful things out there that I discover. And when I discover them and uh, they want, these brands, they want to be discovered 
Uh, they give me some cash to tell you about it. That's how this works. It's pretty fun. And then not only do they give me some cash, they save you some cash by giving you a discount. And so um, it's a really great way to do business, or at least a part of the business. So the first one is Buy Optimizers. I have a huge box of their stuff right here, by the way. If anyone from Buy Optimizers team ever hears this, thank you so much for keeping me fortified with these amazing enzymes and probiotics and all the incredible gut health uh, you know, pills and powders these guys make. Buyoptimizers.com slash Luke. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S. I have the hardest time spelling. The sponsors always want you to spell it out. And it's literally like the hardest thing for me. It's so funny. I don't even think I could do it anymore. I'm just going to be like, I can't do it. I literally can't read like that. But I can pronounce it by optimizers. Uh, and buyoptimizers.com slash Luke will take you to a page where you can magically save 10% off. And uh, it'll really work if you enter the code LUKE10. Not sure if it's automatic or not, but by Optimizers, man, really non-negotiable products for me. Um, just about every meal I eat, I take some of their enzymes. Uh, and my digestion is just a lot better. Their enzymes are insanely powerful. And as is their probiotic. Their probiotic, by the way, uh, I learned this when I interviewed... Uh, the, the fellas from Bioptimizers, their probiotic has this strain of bacteria that eats the funky bacteria that cause, cause food poisoning. So I always travel with the Bioptimizers. Uh, it's called something Biome, Iome. I'm sorry, I don't have it right in front of me, but uh, you'll easily find it on their site because it's the only probiotic product that they make. Bioptimizers.com slash Luke. Next up, Sovereignty. Now, unfortunately, I am out of Sovereignty products. Super bummer. They've got one great product called Dream, which helps you calm down, chill, and sleep. And then they've got one called Purpose, which is a focus-based nootropic. Both of them very potent and also strangely tasty. I don't know how they made them work that well and be that strong, but also not taste like a bucket full of a-holes. Somehow they did it. So God bless Sovereignty.co slash Luke. That's sovereignty.co slash Luke. Again, the two products you want to look for are dream and purpose. And when you get to sovereignty.co slash Luke, you can use the code Luke 20 and save a whopping 20% off. It's holiday time. It's party time. So you got to have some soda, especially if you're like me and you don't drink. I used up all my e-tickets. I can't drink anymore. It's just done. I'm almost 24 years. No, no drinks, no booze. So what am I going to do? Drink like Coke? Root beer? Can't do it. Too toxic. All that, uh, what's that acid they put in Coke that will eat a penny? I ain't putting that on my teeth, let alone my gut. Aspartame and the, and the Diet Coke and all that. I'm probably not supposed to mention other soda brands when I read this plug. Uh, so, <laughs> hope nobody sues me. But anyway, I'm just saying, I don't want to drink those sodas. Not good for me. I might use them like as a I don't know, if I had to kill some ants or something outside, you know, trying to come in the window, I'd put a little trail of Coca-Cola, probably kill the whole colony. But uh, what doesn't kill you, but it, it, it doesn't kill you, but you know what it kills? Olipop kills the craving for toxic soda because it's healthy soda. It's got probiotics in it, or no, no, prebiotics rather, sorry, correction there. Uh, and it's uh, non-toxic and all natural. Natural flavors, very low sugar, a couple of grams, I think. Not, not even going to spike the uh, blood sugar. Really good stuff. It's quite addictive, I'll be honest. I'm going to warn you about that. 
If you want to drink Olipop, it's really easy to remember their URL because it's drinkolipop.com slash Luke. Drinkolipop.com slash Luke. If you are smart enough to use the code Luke at checkout, you're going to get 20% off plus free shipping on their best-selling variety pack. Uh, And they do have quite a few different flavors. They are all awesome. I think I first discovered them organically uh, at my local health food store. I picked up the can and I thought, wow, this is a really cool design. This brand looks dope. I wonder what it is. Looked at the back, checked the ingredient deck to make sure there were no offenders on there. Passed my my scrutinizing test of ingredients and um, bought a couple and I was forever hooked. Lo and behold, a couple years down the road, they're like, hey, we like your podcast. We would like to share our product with your brilliant audience. And I said, sure, give me a check, send me some sodas and voila, you've got drinkolipop.com slash Luke in your eardrums right now, infiltrating your brain, getting you the listener to go buy some of this damn delicious pop. There we go, my friends. That's the end of episode 323 of the Lifestylist Podcast. Thanks for joining me on a wonderful year in 2020. Stay hopeful. Stay trusting that all will be well. God bless you, your loved ones, your families. And I'll see you next week with Harry Paul. <laughs>